or friends I'm, I've been offering in our Dharma talks ways of doorways into liberation. Since we all are on very diverse practices and yet are all leaning, inclining in this direction. And so tonight I'm really happy to offer some reflections on nature as a support for awakening. And whether we're really conscious of it or not, I think that nature, external nature, internal nature, is really supporting us deeply in this natural process of releasing, clinging. This this way that we understand awakening in, in our practice is letting go of the clinging that leads to suffering. Very often we cling and try to make this changing experience solid and permanent. Within that we have a particular attachment to the sense of self as a solid and permanent being that we wish to make even more solid and permanent. And when we try to do these things, we create suffering. And so I'd like to share how nature can support us in releasing clinging and this natural process of awakening through reflecting on our own experience and also bringing in the Satipatthana Sutta. (coughs) And so I would like to start by inviting all of us to feel into a time or a place in nature that we like. that we feel supported in. Maybe it was today in the forest here, the woods or the, the little meadow. Just feeling into that or maybe a, a time, a place different from here, a memory of a time in a favorite place in the park by your house if you're could be in a city or a time a place by a lake or the ocean or mountain desert let's call this place into your memory And feel what it's like to be there. What are you seeing?
What are you smelling? What are you hearing? What's the felt sense in the body? And just now, as you recall this memory, is there one word that would, or a word, maybe more than one, but a word that would describe how it feels to remember? Right now, how is it, if in, in feeling in the body now, as you remember? Is there a little taste of that feeling? I have this memory of being in a hammock by the ocean. When I remember that time, my whole body, I just did it just now, and my whole body settled back. Feeling supported. If we went around the room now, I'm guessing that we would make a collection of words to describe this sense. When I've asked other people or groups for words. I want to offer some of those words and see if they resonate for you. Some people have said calm, settled, peaceful, spacious, less tangled up. Unity. Love. Care. Connected. Whole. You'll have your own flavor. In a way, when we do this, we can frame it in this way that we're, when we touch the earth in this way, through memory, we're touching with our mind, with our heart, and receiving that experience in the mind, in the heart, in the body. When we touch the earth in this way and feel what it's like in the body, We are following in the footsteps of the Buddha who touched the earth on the night of his awakening and asked for help to awaken. 
and the, the earth responded. The earth shook in response. And there's many ways to understand this story, but one way is that when we touch the earth in this way, just through our memory, that our earth body responds. The earth responds through our own body with these supportive qualities, these supportive gifts, these small tastes of release, of relief, of ease. And so let's look more closely at what happens when we touch the earth. We can touch the earth like this in our memory, in our minds, or we touch the earth very often when we go for a a walk or come for a retreat in a beautiful, beautiful land like this, or when we go for a weekend in the country. And very often... There's four aspects, I think, that are involved. When we go for a walk in the city, very often we come back and we feel a little bit looser, a little bit more relaxed. Or we go for a weekend in the country and by Sunday night, the knot that we might have arrived with is a little bit looser. And In that time, when we're touching the earth, I think there's four things we can identify happening. One is that as we walk, you know, take a little walk, we're with the body walking, and then gradually we begin to notice the trees, the sky, the land itself. The other things that we see, we we smell the spruce trees or whatever your landscape would offer, we hear the sounds, we begin to connect externally. So our inner nature is walking along, connecting externally with nature. And then as we do that, as we, maybe we're settling by the side of a lake and just watching, we begin to be able to Notice things as they rise and pass, the the wind rising and passing, the birds flying by, the waves lapping, the leaves rustling. And within that, noticing the things rising and passing, our own inner landscape might become a part of that. We might notice a thought rising and passing or body sensation or an emotion. And as we spend more time this way, thirdly, what can happen is that we can notice a bit of an ease back in our bodies, uh, in our minds. Things can slow down a little bit. We can gear down a little bit the speed that we enter the walk with or the speed that we enter the weekend with can slow down a little bit. And these three things, and, and by the end of the walk or the end of the weekend, we can notice a little bit of a loosening of the inner grasping. 
just through this natural process, not trying hard. And so I'd like to read the refrain of the Satipatthana Sutta and just see if you feel any parallels with that natural process that I just described. This is the refrain, or sometimes translated as the insight of the Satipatthana Sutta, and it's repeated, I think it's 13 times, throughout the sutta, so it's really important. The Buddha really wanted us to to get this. And so, I'm going to read the the refrain after um, that follows the, the body contemplation. And the Buddha is answering this question, how does a practitioner abide contemplating the body as a body? And the sutta says, they abide contemplating the body as a body internally. Or they abide contemplating the body as a body externally. Or they abide contemplating the body as a body, both internally and externally. Or else they abide contemplating the body in its arising factors. Or they abide contemplating the body in its vanishing factors. Or they abide contemplating the body both in both its arising and vanishing factors. Or else mindfulness that there is a body is simply established in them to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. And they abide independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how a practitioner abides, contemplating the body as a body. So I'd like to look even closer at this sutta by looking at the first two sentences and then the last two sentences. And so the first invitation is this invitation to contemplate the body internally and externally. And then to contemplate the arising and vanishing or the arising and passing of things. And so... This is Wes Nisker on this first sutta, this first Wes has written or wrote a book called Buddha's Nature. And he says in it The foundations of mindfulness, or the Satipatthana Sutta, are practices for knowing, are belonging in the flow of life and interconnection. Contemplating the body does not mean contemplating 
quote, my body. Through exploration, we will come to know the body as a a process, as coexistent with the with all of nature. These exercises guide us through our body, emotions, and mind, and in the process reveal our nature as nature. I love what he says there, that contemplating the body does not mean my body, not this solid separate self-body. And the Buddha invites us to contemplate the body internally, this inner nature, and externally. And then both internally and externally. Which is, I think, what we do naturally when we are resting in nature. We naturally begin to notice And as we begin to notice this internal and external nature, we begin to tune in to the arising and the passing of things. I remember my dad, my dad and and myself and my mom and our family are Métis, one of three indigenous groups in Canada, recognized in Canada. Uh, Our family is a mix of Swampy Cree, Scottish, and English. And uh, for us, nature is a really important teacher. And I remember my dad sitting outside in the bush. The bush is what we call the forest. And he'd be so quiet. And as a young, as a 20-something or even a teenager, late teenager, I really, really wanted him to talk to me. But later I realized he was talking and communicating in a profound way and modeling for me how to listen deeply in a profound way. And he could tell me if, he, if there was ever a, noi- a noise in the bush, he could tell me what it was, like who it was, in terms of our, another being, another, another animal, and how far away it was. He was just so tuned in to all that was rising and passing, through all the senses. And I'd like to read a piece from an indigenous practice and then a piece from Buddhist practice that to me really tune into this practice of being connected to the arising and the passing and what that can support in our experience. This is from Larry McCulliff who is uh, from the Aleut Nation, from the Aleutian Islands in Alaska and the Bering Sea. The Aleutian Islands are a group of islands in the Bering Sea. And he's an elder, 
And he has made a series of videos, which are on YouTube, called Voices from the Salmon Nation, Native Perspectives on Sustainability. And this particular video is called Being Present. And he's talking about watching um, his elders sit outside and just be in nature. He says they never zoned out. They could sit for hours and nobody zoned out. The principle of the intelligence of the entire human being not just centered in the head, but using all of one's senses, ears, eyes, smell, intuition, gut feel, all of these things synthesizing without thought or analyzing, which is a concept that is very hard for many Westerners to understand. He says, so I'm kind of immersed in that kind of knowing. So by age six, I decided to go out under the bird cliffs on St. Paul Island, where I was born. We call it the Galapagos of the North. Two and a half million seabirds all nestled around an island on cliffs. So we'd have tens of thousands of seabirds in any area. So I would go out under the cliffs before sunrise because I wanted to be there when they took off. And I just watched them without thinking, just taking it all in. And then one day I noticed that there were all these different species of birds, tens of thousands in one cliff area, flying in circles, opposite circles, up, down, diagonal, different species, different speeds, different heights, and never did I see a single bird wing clip. Imagine that, tens of thousands of birds in what appears to be chaos, and never even a clipped wing. And I wondered, how do they do that? And an insight arose that these birds were intensely alive. They were completely present. They were just nothing but a field of awareness. And so I tried this being present. I didn't have the words for it at the time, at six years old. Just intuitively went to this kind of state of being where I would sit there without thought. As soon as thought would drift in, I noticed I would zone out, get daydreamy. But then I would come back and be fully alert, fully aware, just like the birds were. That was the beginning of my understanding of how one connects profoundly with the earth. And then the video closes with this question. Might you possess this same potential to be present and profoundly connected?
And then this is a a passage from Guy Armstrong. And he's talking about the, our, our choiceless attention instructions from Mahasi Saito. He says, in the practice of choiceless attention, we don't try to choose an object to be mindful of, like the breath. We allow the attention to move freely however it wants to. Our job is to notice where attention lands in each new moment and to be mindful of that experience. So in one moment we may be with an itch on our arm, in the next we may be mindful of an outbreath. then we no- may notice a sound from outside, then notice a, mu- a mood of curiosity or interest, and so on. And so Guy is or Mahasi through Guy is including our inner nature in this flow of experience of arising and passing. Guy goes on to say, this is such a natural practice. We're not trying to control anything We just allow everything to unfold as it will. This makes it possible for us to be very open and relaxed in our meditation. But we have to stay very fresh and alert to what is happening because it's always changing. I used to, I I have taught a nature retreat for 18 years now in my home sangha. Every year we have a week in nature. And what I noticed is that I would give instruction, you know, we had sitting and walking, sitting and walking. And then we'd have our lunch time and then our supper time. And what I began to notice is that after lunch, everybody would go gravitate towards the lake and just sit there and watch it. And after a while, I realized that was the real practice. Just sitting with open attention, choiceless attention, noticing what was rising, passing in the external nature and also our internal nature. It's kind of funny because I, I thought, I don't have, you know, I, in a nature retreat, you know, nature is doing the teaching. And I realized that those after lunch periods were when, after supper periods, were when people, were the times people were most relaxed. Not trying hard. And this choice, what we call in Buddhism, choiceless attention. What we might call in the indigenous way, sitting in the bush just came so naturally when people weren't trying hard. And so now I think the after that kind of practice, now, now that's what I want to teach on retreat, is just sitting, sitting with ease. 
And this ease, this relaxation, is the third line in the Satipatthana refrain. This ease of effort. And as we hang out in nature, we kind of synchronize with this ease of nature. There's no rush. We kind of fall into this natural rhythm. And this ease of effort develops on its own. And so that's the the first invitation from the Satipatthana, is this tuning into the body internally, externally. The second invitation to watch the arising and passing. The third invitation with this ease of effort. This ease of effort supports continuity and presence. And then the all these these three all support the fourth invitation or the fourth line in the Satipatthana refrain, and that is abiding independently, not clinging to anything in the world. And we can understand this as at the end of the walk we take in the city, at the end of the weekend when things are a little looser, a little bit of a loosening, a little bit of a loosening of the sense of needing to fix, needing to control, wanting to figure it out. A little bit more independence from that knot a little bit less clinging to what we feel needs to happen, a little less urgency around fixing the conditions, around a little less leaning on the the conditions being a certain way, a little less need for that sense of separate self to arrange things in a certain way. And we sense that little bit of a loosening. And then from this place of wisdom, we can, or the, we can bring this sense of wisdom to whatever the knot is in a, in, and let it land in a new way or let it unravel in a new way. In the sense of abiding independently, not clinging to anything in the world. Is a way of understanding a little taste of awakening. A little taste of what it means or feels like to not cling quite so tightly. And we can sense this natural arc, this natural letting go. When we connect with nature, when we first connect with nature or have our memory of nature, I'm thinking into me, mine now, going to the lake, I'm just imagining the lake, which is my, my spot, 
can imagine the blue, I can smell the water. My heart, my being just kind of goes a little, has a little bit of an uplift. And then a little bit of a settledness. And this is the arc that we can touch in with nature. The arc when we go for a walk. Oh, a little bit of uplift with the trees. By the time we get back home, a little settledness. The weekend in the, city, uh, in the country. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. A little bit of an uplift. Oh, so nice to be here. And then, oh yeah, we're relaxing, a little settling down. This arc is the arc of many of our freedom maps. The seven factors of awakening is one. So the arc of uplift in the beginning, of energizing in the beginning, of the seven factors of awakening. We have mindfulness in the beginning. And then the uplifting wing of the seven factors of awakening are investigation, engagement or energy, and then the quiet joy is the third one. And as we so this this seven factors of awakening describes in a more detailed way what happens naturally when we connect with nature. Nature helps us to be more mindful, more present. We begin to investigate things like internal, external nature, just just naturally. This brings us into engagement with the moment. And when we have engagement in the moment, this rises our energy and rises our quiet joy at being in this moment. That's what happens when we connect with the beauty of nature. We have that uplift. And then when we touch that quiet joy of being in this present moment, what's also involved in there is a contentment. Yes, 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 I'm happy to be here. And when we have contentment, engagement with this present moment, the system calms down. There's a calming, a deeper gathering into what we call concentration, and then a deeper gathering into equanimity. And that's the calmness that we can feel when we're connected with nature. And this is the calming wing of the seven factors of awakening. The three factors in this calming wing, calm, concentration, and equanimity. And so nature can support us in that sequence, in that process of uplift and calm. And then we can see more clearly and the tangle can untangle sometimes all by itself. Sometimes with our wise inclining towards peace. And so when we go for a walk in the city, a weekend in the country, and we have the uplift and the calming and the unwinding. The tangle not so tangled at the end of the weekend. This is a way that nature supports this letting go.
Wesnesker again says that within the Buddhist tradition there exist powerful, time-tested, and accessible methods for healing our perceived separation from the world around us. The, the techniques of Buddhist inside medita- insight meditation were specifically designed as ways to explore and experience the natural forces working through us at every moment. These meditations and reflections are meant to liberate us from the suffocation of a mistaken separate identity, the tight shoe of self, into the freedom of natural processes. When we feel this loosening, this letting go, there's a little taste of a loosening of the sense of separate solid self, that separate solid self that wants, out of good intention, to make things the way that self thinks they should be, that clings to things being a certain way. I remember I was at, uh, I went to a, a ceremony, a indigenous ceremony in British Columbia, in Canada, and then went to an insight meditation retreat right afterwards. And Elder Art Leon at the ceremony said, you know, in my experience, he said, all traditions have at the heart of them the sense of wanting to connect with something larger than themselves larger than our little, our separate self, he said. And then I went to the Insight Meditation Retreat and Steve Smith said, all of our Buddhist practices are designed to dissolve our sense of separation, our sense of separate self. Certainly the Buddha did this when he touched the earth leaning into nature as a teacher, leaning into the sense of interconnection, leaning into the liberation from separation, from the sense of controlling and trying to figure out. He asked for help. And with this template, we can do this even in in difficult times. The touching the earth template, the touching the earth story is a story for all time, but for difficult times. At, at, at the time the Buddha touched the earth, he was having a difficult time. Mara was challenging him. We can understand Mara as a, a way of representing deep hindrances, deep, difficult states that rise in the mind. And Mara came and challenged the Buddha. And that's when the Buddha put his hand on the earth and said, help me to know how to awaken. And I love this story. And then, and then the Buddha and the earth responded, su- supported him, and he was able to stay in his seat. And then 
know, the next time a difficult state came along, he would have been more, more, um, more, more strong, more resourced for it. And we can we can use this story as a story of how to be in with, meet difficulty. Sometimes we want to stay with it and stay with it, but in this story, the Buddha didn't stay with Mara. The Buddha didn't stay and fight, didn't try to convince Mara to go away, didn't debate. He said, I see you, Mara. I see you. And then he turned. He turned and touched the earth. So a beautiful story about how, how, about a way, one way, to work with difficult states. It uplifts the heart, resources and supports the system so that then we can be with the difficulty more steadily next time it comes. And so how do we, just a summary, how do we touch the earth? I'm reminded right now of Thich Nhat Hanh's walking instructions. Touch the earth as if your feet are kissing the earth. Beautiful way of connecting, internal and external. This is the first invitation to reflect internally and externally on this body. This earth body. Internally and externally. To notice as we settle the risings and the passings from this natural place of settling back with ease and just watching. Right now, as we're here, or when you're in meditation, resting back, like you're by the side of the lake, connected to the internal nature, external nature. And these three things support a deep letting go, support the capacity our natural capacity naturally to fall in, in a way, into awakening. Ajahn Chah said this. He said, like the Buddha, we too should look around us and be observant because everything in the world is ready to teach us. We can learn from nature enough to be enlightened. And we can taste this, friends, in small ways. Looking out the window, remembering our nature place, taking a walk, resting into our inner nature, the rising and passing.
And as we do that, we can settle in, even in small ways. To the sense that I brought in at the beginning of our talk. The words I offered from practitioners to describe what it's like to just remember our nature place and how our own nature body, our earth body can respond. These words which describe a taste of awakening, a taste of release, a taste of ease. Landing here in our earth body. So I'm going to repeat these words to close. And let them land into your earth body, into your inner nature. As a taste, in a way, of our own true nature. Calmness, settled, peace, spacious. Less tangled. Unity. Love. Care. Connection. Wholeness. Loosening. Let's just sit for a couple of minutes, friends. Settling into this earth body. Sitting.
Thank you for your practice, friends. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.